Gentlemen, ladies, what if Superman had decided to fly down, rip off the roof of the White House, grab the president right out of the Oval Office? Who would have stopped him? Y'all jokers must be crazy. I'm not just one of y'all many toys. I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. You die. You don't own me. If they get caught, we throw them under the bus. What a ride! Let's play! Come on, got some better to Let's go! Light it up! I love this guy. Uh-uh. Not good! Don't forget, we're the bad guys. Are you sweet talking me? What you gonna do? You wanna see something? Oh, yeah, I wanna you see, see something? Yes, I wanna see something. I was just trying to get you there. No hard feelings, right? We good. This is episode 14. I am Kyle Jones, and I am joined by the person who's always here with me for discussing who, Mr. Clarence Brown. Hey, Clarence. Hey, Kyle. Glad to be back and uh, fresh off a binge of watching uh, Stranger Things on Netflix. Oh, cool. Did you Have you finished all of it yet? Yes, I have. Well, I have finished... I think, how many episodes are there? There are eight, right? There are eight, yes, that's correct. All right, I have finished six, so I've got two more left. Yeah, you're really really close, and I mean, as interesting as it is throughout, I think it finishes much stronger than some of the middle episodes, but it's it's a great show that's kind of different from anything that's out there right now, at least that I know of. Yeah, I really liked the aspect of going and feeling that I'm stuck in the 80s again. That was kind of cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Uh, even though I was near lad when <laughs> the yeah. 80s was around, I do remember some aspects. And, yeah, definitely the tech and, well, lack of tech, I would say, and the other surroundings, the walkie-talkies and things like that. Just having fun on your bikes, you know, stuff that I did in the 80s as a kid. It's cool to see these kids kind of experiencing the same things. Yeah, even though I'm a little bit older than you, I do, you know, I wasn't that old in the 80s. But but what was really interesting, there is a down, I don't want to say down, yeah, I guess it's a downstairs basement. And I kept looking at <laughs> this um, couch in there. And the more I looked at it, and then one day it hit me while I was, I think I was probably in episode three or four. And it was mm-hmm. like, my, my, my aunt you used to have that couch. And I was like, oh, that's where I recognize that. That's great. That's great. So uh, I've got two more episodes. So after I finish watching those two, I think that would be a good thing to talk about for an upcoming episode. What do you think? 
Yeah, definitely. It finishes with a bang, and uh, I'm anxious to hear what you and even Lee, if he watches it, has to say about it. Uh, good deal. And speaking of Lee, Lee can't be with us tonight, but as always, we miss him when he's not here and are glad when he returns. And I think he's probably, you know, I've got to make that corny joke. So I think tonight's corny joke will be someone by the name of Amanda Waller had a mission for him. So he's <laughs> doing something for Miss Waller tonight. Hopefully he'll be back very soon. Let's get into the, some news, and we really don't have much news tonight, and we're just kind of going off the cuff here because I am caffeinated, I'm tired, <laughs> it's been a busy week for me. If I'm rambling, just, hey, bear with me. So I have read that Doctor Who, the new season, is filming right now. They finished block one, and they're on to block two. Nothing really newsworthy out of there except... Uh, you know, a couple of pictures here and there. So have you read anything? I ha haven't read much. I think I saw early, early on, I saw uh, a Instagram video or something of them shooting where they're like kind of spraying snow everywhere. But yes. that was, that yeah, was a few I, oh, yeah, back. yeah, yeah. I saw that too. And do we know how many episodes this season will be? Are they going for 10 or 13? Uh, the, I believe it'll be 12, but 12. I do not know if that is including the Christmas episode next year or if it's not including but one thing that i have heard is it's pretty much a definite that capaldi will be staying yes afterwards i was happy about that i, I did hear that news as well and i'm kind of happy that he's staying on just to you know i want to see more what capaldi has to offer um uh what's the name of the episode when he was in the tower the castle kind of thing um uh, uh, uh Okay, Hellbent, Heaven Sent. Yeah, Hellbent. So, so, yeah, no, 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 Heaven what? Sent, because Hellbent was the last one. Yeah, yeah, Heaven Sent. I mean, he was just magnificent in an episode. And, and hopefully in this uh, this run, we'll get to see more episodes like that, because that's the kind of Doctor Who episodes I want to see. And I always like the timey-wimey stuff. So, hey, I'm a sucker for it. And, and I think we'll be able to see a little different aspect of him with his own companion, not him with Clara, who oh, had made been, me sad. you know, but I'm meaning it from a sense of no disrespect to Jenna Coleman, no disrespect to the character of Clara. There's nothing to compare. He is, you know, she was the one who had already been there. Yeah. He was the new version. Now you've got the new companion and he is the person that has already been there so that's that's kind yeah. of interesting it, it definitely kind of d detaches us from the last doctor and 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 kind of puts us in a place to see something new and exciting so uh I'm, I'm anxious for it i am too and you know i won't spoil it for you but you know don't forget that at some point in the upcoming season missy will be back Ugh. who are you oh you know who i am i'm missy who's missy <sighs> Please try to keep up. Short for mistress. Well, couldn't very well keep calling myself the master. Now, could I? I <laughs> uh, couldn't help that. So, you know, you've got your, at some point in this, you can, you know, kill me with boredom. <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah, so I'm opening myself up for that one. <laughs> All right, well, we're recording on Wednesday, and it's new comic book day, and if you hear some noise in the background, I'm looking at the new comics that came out this week, and Notable, which I have not read any of these yet, is Superwoman. 
Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. It's part of DC Rebirth. And is that a number one? It is a number one, and it is uh, a Lois Lane. Not sure which Lois Lane. Oh, interesting. Uh, another one that came out this week is Red Hood and the Outlaws, which is Red Hood is Jason Todd, which was, you know, one of the former Robins. With him is, and I'm curious to see which version and who this is going to be, but we've got a version of Bizarro in here. Yes, that that looked interesting. I saw the cut. Was it a cover? I think you saw the cover. And you know who the other, the the woman is, correct? You know who Uh, that? No, I don't. All right. Red, red headed. I'll give you a hint. Uh, She's wearing, she's got red hair. She's got a sword. She has an axe. And her headpiece has a star in the middle. Uh, any hint on? I literally have no idea. All right, she <laughs> is Artemis. At one point, she replaced Diana as Wonder Woman. Really? Yep. Uh, that was back in late eighties, early nineties. There was a story where Hippolyta had a vision, or either so- somehow it was either a sorceress told her, or a mage told her, or she had a vision. One of one of the things, but she saw this prophecy that Wonder Woman would die, and so Hippolyta's reasoning was: Wonder Woman is a title; it is not Diana. So if I replace or cause Diana to be replaced as Wonder Woman, then whoever is Wonder Woman will be who dies, not Diana. That's, that's, is that the stint that she left that you would previously mentioned in the in the last podcast? You, uh, you said uh, Diana went on a hiatus for a while. Uh, no, she back in the sixties they actually had Diana, or it may have been the late fifties, but I think it was the uh, in the sixties she gave up her powers uh, of her own uh, okay. volition okay. and became the kung fu Diana. I think that's what I was referring to. Do you have any more comic books? No, no, that's it. There's some Marvel comics, uh, but, you know, since we're talking DC tonight, I will put those down to the side. Well, briefly, uh, harping on that, going back to your favorite uh, uh, hero here. (laughs) Yeah, there was a a, a Mashable article that came out written by Josh Dickey, and he kind of gave a scathing opinion of what Wonder Woman might be in the Snyderverse, okay. <laughs> and and he kind of he kind of starts off his article like, uh, "Well, I just read it. Fool me once, Man of Steel. Fool me twice, Batman v Superman. Fool me to death, Suicide Squad. Hey, who else is looking forward to Wonder Woman? Question mark. And why exactly are you doing that? <laughs> so the whole the whole tone the tone of the entire article is pretty much that same kind of cadence and i found it interesting his opinion but my argument to that is and i know you said you definitely say it's the donna boredom but i enjoyed man of steel and i didn't think batman was terrible it wasn't a great movie but i don't think it was terrible the script had problems and you'll find out what i think about suicide squad a little later but yeah, I, I don't know if this is the vision that most people have. Of course, the critics critics have this vision, but as fans of, of action movies and comic book heroes, I don't know if this is the popular opinion. You know, it, it's interesting because part of me wants to say critics are critics for the sake of being critics. You know what I'm saying? Your, 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 your job is to take something and dissect it. 
because like let's let's take Lee for an example. Lee mm-hmm. has because of what he does, he writes for stage, he teaches the craft of writing. So he approaches things I would think differently perhaps, you know, I'm not trying to speak for you, but differently perhaps than you and I would yeah, because certainly. we're coming at it from more of a fan perspective. And let me give you an example. There was one part point where at um, there was a Podshock episode that Lee made a comment about there is a certain point in a story, and even if it is a recorded television uh, episode, that there is a shift, meaning there is a point in the story where the stories start not building up anymore and turns to go back to um, whatever the res- or to move forward not go back to, to move forward to whatever the resolution will be. And, you know, that was like, oh, cool. I never knew that before. Having said that, looping it back to the critics, they, that's their job. They are there to criticize. But does that mean it's a a good movie? That Does that mean it's a bad movie? Keep listening and you might find out. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, I like the point that you made that you, uh, you, Lee, and I have very different uh, views He's coming more from a writer's point of view. And even with these properties that we're looking at, uh, although I love these properties and I, I even think like Dr. Who I find uh, enduring, you guys are way higher on the fandom meter than I am toward these properties. So whereas we're seeing something like Doctor Who or even Batman v Superman, where I'm kind of the layman everyday's opinion about the property, you guys are bringing so much more history and um, years of loving these characters, reading them through the comic books. So you're looking from a totally different lens. So that definitely is interesting when you break down a movie and how and why you like this certain property or the certain film that's out now. Right. And, you know, that's that's one thing that I like about having, you know, a cast of characters on here and not just one person talking about his or her opinion is it, it is exactly what you just said. You know, you can learn something from someone else or see something from another point of view. And what's interesting for Suicide Squad and for anyone listening, one thing that I said to Clarence right before we got started is, I have only read one issue of Suicide Squad in my entire life, which was last week. I know who Suicide Squad is. I know their history. But I I had more of an interest in seeing the movie than I've ever had about reading the comic. Yeah, that, that, that's very interesting. And, and again, we'll, you probably will see this movie a little later sometime, but will that history, you knowing that history or even you knowing the character as a whole, everything around them, you know, how would that influence how you what you would think about the film? I mean, one a good example of this run of podcast we've had is the uh, the uh, Psylocke uh, discussion we had, which I thought was really interesting. And you brought a whole no, new perspective to that that I really, you know, I could never know from just watching the movie, you know. So I find that really cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were talking about just then the series that we've done so far. You know, it's it's interesting that we have, of course, not not very many episodes. We've actually, even though we've mentioned Doctor Who, I think probably in all of them, and in a way, Doctor Who is in our name and in our credits, and you know, that's just who I am. It's I permeate Doctor Who. But having said that, you know, we've not done anything but that 
one episode of Doctor Who. However, you know, we've done a lot of comics, and that's not a bad thing because comics are no longer comic books. Comics are television. Comics are movies. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. (laughs) I'm going back to to the year 2000, and I know Batman, you know, we had Superman in the 70s, but I can not forget the excitement of going to see that very first X-Men movie. I mean, taking off a day's work to go see (laughs) X-Men. Anyone listening, just fair warning from henceforth, Spoilers abound. We're 15 minutes into it uh, there, give and take. So spoilers abound. If you haven't watched Suicide Squad yet and you don't want to be spoiled on anything that we are talking about, then quit, you know, put yourself on pause, come back and listen to us after you go see the movie. Definitely want you to come back and listen to us. But, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, go run out, watch the movie, come back and then, you know, listen and tweet us information or send us an email, send us your feedback. But again, spoilers from henceforth. So Clarence, are you ready to get into the history and then into the movie? Let's do it. All right, good deal. So I think you have some questions for me about the Suicide Squad in general. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah, cool. I don't have nothing for him. I don't have written down anything, but I have a few thoughts in my head I want us to go over. Like from the comic perspective, and you said you read, one uh, one of the comics recently, I don't know if it was an old comic or maybe they, a re-release with the rebirth. I have no idea. But talk about that. And also, what do you think the Suicide Squad is? All right. So let me answer that. And, you know, anyone who knows me and who's listened to uh, this podcast and who's actually listening to this story right now is I like to talk. So uh, let me break that question down into several, several parts. So let's go back to the very beginning of Suicide Squad. So without saying anything, Clarence, question for you. When do you think Suicide Squad, based on the nature of what it's about, the title Suicide Squad, give me a year when the first Suicide Squad story was published. When do you think it was? You know, it sounds like something that's very 90s, I want to say. that That's just my feeling. (laughs) <laughs> okay, but but I I don't know that for sure. I really have no clue. I well I will I, I will give you this much. You, the year does have two nines in it, but not nineties. It actually the first Suicide Squad story was way back in nineteen fifty nine. Wow! The Suicide Squad in nineteen fifty nine. They first appeared in the Brave and the Bold issue number twenty five. Again, that was 1959. They were created by writer and artist team Robert Kaniger and Ross Andrew, I believe, and hope that I said their names correctly. So the first team, there were four individuals. Interestingly enough, they were on missions that pretty much guaranteed their death, which is very similar to... um, you know, what suicide, suicide squad is today. You know, they're sent on the worst missions or the, the most dangerous missions. But mm-hmm. these, uh, original suicide squad, four people were Rick Flagg Jr., Karen Grace, who was Flagg's girlfriend, someone named Jess Bright, and Dr. Hugh Evans. And okay, well, okay. Can, can I? Yeah, go for it. Can, can we sprinkle in movie elements a little bit with these questions? Yes, yes, because <laughs> yes. it seems fitting. Okay, Rick Flag was a. Uh, they played him up as kind of a very important character in the movie. 
but I was always like, who is this guy and why is he important? You know, <laughs> they, they, he was a very pivotal in a lot of ways character in the film. And they and I really just have never heard of him, had no idea who he is. So that's kind of interesting and fitting to see that he was in the first Suicide Squad. And and hence, I think, where they gave the importance of, you know, he was in 1959. And, and here's what's really, really interesting is all four members chose to join the team because they somehow miraculously survived experiences where everyone else around them died. But for whatever miraculous reason, they didn't. So I, my, my, how things change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so they're vol- volunteering, volunteering for this team. They're yes. not being coerced or threatened into being on the Suicide Squad. No, that's, no, oh, that's no, they, different. no, they decide, oh yeah, we didn't die. So let's go out. And since we don't think anything can kill us, let's go do dangerous missions and see what happens. Because guess what? Oh. We might survive. Well, I have to ask this question and I'm, my guess is he going to have, it's going to be a big fan. No, no pun intended. Amanda Waller. Ah. Is, is she in the 1959 Suicide no. Squad? No, 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 no. <laughs> For a, 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 a myriad of reasons, I thought she wouldn't be, but I had to ask. And, and interestingly enough, with which uh, remind me to, to mention the comic book that I um, read at the end of Suicide Squad but at some point, probably late 50s, well, well, it was 59. So sometime in the 60s, early 60s, you know, that book, uh, The Brave and the Bold, or that version of the Suicide Squad went away and was not revived until 1987. Wow. And it was in that car- incarnation that we did meet the person you just mentioned, Amanda Waller. She was known as being a badass. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And there is a scene in the Justice League Unlimited, I think is when uh, it was either Justice League or Justice League Unlimited, where she walks up to Batman, who is, you know, in Batman attire with the Justice League. And Batman's trying to intimidate her. And she looks at him and says something to the effect. Hello, rich boy. <laughs> oh, that is so good because she does something similar in this film. Okay, all right. Well, then, then, then hold that because I want to. I, I, I want to get to that. I want to hear about that. At this point, that's where you've got the villains coming in who are being coerced for whatever reason to join the Suicide Squad, and that's when you had Deadshot, the enchant, the enchantress. Uh, Blockbuster, Captain Boomerang, Bronze Tiger, those were the original, you know, team members back then. Then they pretty much stayed the same until the New 52, and the New 52 came along, and when the New 52 came along, so too did uh, a new Suicide Squad, and the biggest thing at that point was adding Harley Quinn, and all of a sudden, Amanda Waller, who was, you know, think about it, and I know I'm jumping here, but think about it for a moment. 1987, you've got a villain group that is kind of like anti-hero, even though they weren't heroes. Mm -hmm. They are being led by a, say, five foot five, 
thirty, two hundred fifty, however you know weight wise do you want it? But you know, a a woman, African American woman, that is leading and commanding and scaring the you know what out of these yeah. villains. <laughs> so you know that that right there to me was iconic in its time. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely weird to see at a time but if you think about the you know i'm kind of just thinking about the where the country is as a whole at this point is in this the early 80s so we're kind of we're through the 70s the, the uh, uh racial revolts and things like that the 60s and 70s so uh, i'm sorry 60s so now you're seeing this kind of prominent figure in a comic book which is and a woman and a black woman is is kind of weird at this point. And and interestingly enough, in 2011, all of a sudden, you know, Amanda Waller of her short short stature and you know big physique, all of a sudden was slim, younger looking, very attractive, and you know more of your I don't want to say sex symbol, but that's how she was drawn. You know, she looked much much younger. You know, and of course, you know, with rebirth, we know, quote unquote, 10 years were stolen and uh, from the DC universe. So, you know, that explains that some to some degree. But, um, you know, still the same attitude, but that iconic Amanda Waller look went away, you know, it's kind of died a little bit in yeah. uh, the New 52. So. Uh, that leads me to the comic book that I read last week, which was DC Rebirth. And but you, was, you, you, you couldn't get your hands on the 1959 edition? Come no, on, No, I didn't try that. <laughs> Actually, I'm curious. To, I'd be curious, <clears throat> curious to know how much that cost. Probably with the movie, you know, the... That that version probably went up a little bit. I yeah, because I imagine it being kind of not a mainstream. I, I kind of think there wouldn't be a lot of those out there. But yeah, I wouldn't think so either. But here's what's interesting about Rebirth last week and about Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller appeared in the uh, issue of Teen Titans that was out last week, and she had basically kidnapped Tim Drake, uh, Red Robin, as he's called now. And that was the same petite, slim uh, version that we've had in the New 52. And, you know, that's, that's that version. That's who, you know, who we saw. Uh-huh. However, in the first page or two of the uh, Suicide Squad Rebirth and the first time we see Amanda Waller, the Amanda Waller that everybody uh, knows and loves slash hates was back to her and all of her glory, I should say. So oh, she's wow. she's being char- characterized as Amanda Waller was before, you know, the New 52. She's back with, you know, her physique looking they, like what she should. Did they play a sto- played it into the story or? No, it was just, hey, this is what it is. She's back to the looking the way she should and. I just found it interesting that I'm buying two comics on the same day, and Amanda Waller is in both of them. <laughs> but in one, she's at least 100, 125 pounds or however many. I don't, but you get my point. She, she looked drastically different from point book one to 
this book over here. Yeah, I wonder will there be a, a plot reason why that happened eventually, maybe in the next few uh, releases. No, I, honestly, I think that would be more of just like, okay, we heard you, we fixed it, and let's move on. Wow. <laughs> so, so that's pretty much um, all I've got from the comic side, because literally, like I said, you know, I know who they are as a character or a, a group of characters. I know what the book's purpose is. I've seen them in various other books and appearances, but it never been something that I was interested in reading other than I think Amanda Waller is a great character. Cool beans. Now it's my turn to ask the question. So you've seen the movie. Yes, I have. Before telling me anything, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the movie? I'm going to ask you to rate it before you tell me about it. Uh, I would say six and a half. Okay. You know, uh, fun. I had fun. I would say nine, but plot, I would say probably four and a half. You know, the plot wasn't great. It was good. It just wasn't nothing to write home about in a sense. You know, it was a, it was okay plot, but it just wasn't great. But yeah, that that's my rating about, about a six and a half out of 10. And yeah. Tell me about what it was about. Assume for a moment I know nothing about them. You went into the movie and the movie started. What was it about? What was the setup? It's a bit different than the 59 comic. You know, it's not characters that uh, who think they're indestructible uh, joining the Suicide Squad. <laughs> but it, this this one is more about Amanda Waller. And, you know, I really can't talk about, well, I'll just say this, and then I want to go back and talk about some tie-ins to this film. But uh, Amanda Waller and, and the threat of metahumans, mainly Superman, or any person with a, a strong Superman, coming into the world. And we need this team who that are at, that is at our beck and call that can answer if we have a threat to the world or to the U.S. in, in this case, because it's a government thing. So, yeah, it's, it's all about forming this team that can help out in situations where uh, a metahuman type uh, defense is needed. OK, who who was the who was the team? OK, well, I know I probably get this wrong, but I'll I, I rattle off as many as I can. Of course, you have uh, Deadshot. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, played by Will Smith, uh, Harley Quinn, played by Margot Robbie, uh, Rick Flagg, we talked about before, I forgot who's playing him, uh, Amanda Waller as the kind of hand of the law over this group and keeping them in check and making sure they accomplish their mission. Captain Boomerang, El Diablo, which is a cool character I knew nothing about, but I really like him. And uh, Killer Croc, Enchantress, and Kutana, and Slipknot. And I okay. may be missing somebody. <laughs> no, I think I, I think you got that. You got Rick Flag, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Rick Flag. So tell me this, El Diablo. Tell me about him because I actually don't know that much about him at all. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the characters. Well, a few, uh, one of the few to few of the characters who I knew nothing about, and basically. He's kind of stereotyped in a way, but I'm going to say this. is not really going to say. But think of your Mexican gangster okay. tattooed up. That's that's basically his how he looks. But uh, at the time we see him in his movie, he's on. He's trying to hone his powers in and not use them because he's caused this destruction that we found in the film. Spoiler. While he was trying to hone his powers, he eventually uh, spazzed out and he kind of 
burned down his house, killing his wife and kids. Ah. So so he's at this point in his life where he's tried, trying not to use his powers and thus gets recruited by Amanda Waller. And Guess what? He has to use his powers. He has to use his powers. And boy, when we see him, it's one of the highlights of the film because I did not expect him to have that much power. And it's really awesome. He's, he's probably the most powerful person in that group other than uh, Enchant- Enchantress. Okay. All right. And Enchantress looked a lot different from what she's always been drawn in the uh, comic. She didn't have the green hat and the black hair. She looked very grim and gritty, didn't she? Well, maybe you didn't see... Well, maybe in the trailer they don't show that, but later on in the movie, um, when she's in her full form, uh, another spoiler, and Tantris is released by this doll that is found by what's her regular persona? Uh, uh, June Moon. June Moon, and it releases Tantris on her when she breaks it open. But there's also her brother and the other doll that they keep around for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> and and the kind of the, the main villain in the movie, which to my surprise, is her and her brother, which uh, when she's almost when she's in her full form with the help of her brother, she eventually becomes this woman, looks more like June and she's in green and does this type of, uh, I don't know, um, belly dance type thing when she's moving uh, it's, it's, it's really weird but she's wearing green and that's probably more the character you're ah, thinking okay about. all right cool yeah that does that does sound so what about will smith how did he do you know what i did not expect okay will smith is is a obviously one of the big stars probably the past 20 15 20 years and I really didn't him didn't expect him to have such a prominent role in his film. But man, this this film is almost <laughs> the Will Smith and Margot Robbie show, which, you know, they're top grossing uh actors. So yes, I see why that happens, but man, we get a lot of them. And it's good. It's good. I mean, they're funny, they have good chemistry together. You know, I knew nothing about Deadshot. By the end of the movie, I wound up liking them. They pulled at our heartstrings with the situation with him and his daughter, which um, ultimately winds up being how Amanda Waller kind of, kind of gets him to participate, you know? Okay. So yeah, he was, he was really fun. He was peak Will Smith, I think, you know? And, you know, that's another character where no one has really paid attention to the fact of going back to another one of our episodes where they changed the character's race and it didn't matter. You know, I had no, no idea. <laughs> see, exactly. And that's why I waited until you finished to say in the comic, uh, Deadshot is a white guy. But in the movie, he's not. But you not knowing that from the comic, it didn't, it absolutely did not matter. So in the comic, do we get a lot of unmasked Deadshot? Or is he wearing his mask like 90% of the time? I, I think he's wearing his mask. Every, every time I remember seeing him off the top of my head, uh, he's got the you know mask on. Okay, I'll say in the film he probably has a mask on maybe twenty percent, fifteen to twenty percent of the time. Not, not much. You. Not much. So, so in other words, we're playing off the fact of hey, look, it's Will Smith. Yeah, <laughs> basically. All right. So you mentioned Harley Quinn. How do how was she? First off, a little bit of of background on me. <laughs> in the nineties, my parents would not let me watch Batman. <laughs> I was just turned a teenager in the 90s okay. the late 90s i was older but when when that show first came out i think i was just turned a teenager or whatever 
I could not watch that show. Why? <laughs> My parents would not. I don't know the reason why. I guess maybe they saw something on the show they didn't like, but I could not watch that show. That being said, I think that's the first time we see Harley Quinn. She was created for the show. Right. Correct. Yes. And man, man, people people wanted to hate on Margot, Margot Robbie when they first said that she'd be playing Harley Quinn. But man, she she does an excellent job, man. There's. I think she embodies that character or, or plays it. You know, there, no fan could have any question about the dedication she put into um, emulating. I don't know about the comics, how far she uh, emulates what's in the comics, but just me from my experience with that show, I didn't get to see, but saw later <laughs> from the nineties. I think she has a spot on. Spot All right. On. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a bit of tr- of Harley Quinn trivia here. And this was something that I had forgotten until I was reading up for doing this episode. And I would totally forgotten this. What can, do you think? And obviously the answer is going to be yes. I'm going to go ahead and just say yes. Um, Harley Quinn has a connection to days of our lives. Actor or the character? No, no, the, well, well, in a way the character, uh, and I'll tell you how um, the person who voiced Harley Quinn, and, and, and in a way, that character was mirrored after a character that this woman played on Days of Our Lives called Calliope Jones Bradford, and she was on uh, probably the mid-80s uh, to late-80s, huh. and I remember her. I mean, she she got married at Christmas outside wearing a Christmas dress, if I remember correctly, that had Christmas lights on it. So, I mean, she was an off-the-wall kind of kooky, nutcase kind of character. Good character, but a nutcase. She was blonde. She had her hair in ponytails a lot. And, uh, you know, that's sounding a little more like, the more I'm talking, that sounds like Harley Quinn. And she voiced Harley Quinn in the Batman adventures or animated adventures and, you know, those appearances where she's doing the Mr. J and all that, that was the same woman who voiced, you know, it in the animated series. So yes, uh, days of our lives and Harley Quinn have a connection. That's awesome. And, and I mean, I know we're going to eventually get the Joker. Do you want to save him or no, 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 want... no. Cause he's, he's Mr. J is actually, Oh man, um, go for I, it. I, I know I may get a lot of flack for this, but, Heath Ledger was good. He was a good Joker. I'm not going to dispute that with anybody. At the time, I thought he was great. But, man, I, I really like Jerry Leto, man. I really like him. He He's the right type of crazy for the Joker. And I think the fact that I, – I think the fact that we have Harley Quinn as well makes Joker that much more – Menacing. Okay, so let me ask you a question because this has been my arch question from knowing that Harley Quinn was in there and the Joker was in there. A, was he a part of the team? And B, did that impact if he wasn't or was part of the team anything Harley Quinn did? No, he was not part of the team. Definitely. <laughs> okay. But but it, it did impact some of the choices uh, that she made. Uh, and, and also a lot of th- ways it affected the whole the team as a whole because, uh, you know, early on once he finds out. 
once Harley gets taken from him, he, he's he's trying to find a way to get her back. Ah, so, okay. So, so that's kind of plays into the plot of the movie because um, the Joker is infiltrating the... Okay, let me say this too. There is a, uh, a bomb placed at the skull of every person in Suicide Squad. Hence, you know, another coercion to get them to do what Amanda Waller wants them to do. Okay. And... And they make this joke, there's an app for that, a killer app. <laughs> okay. Where they can just press a button on the phone and it will blow their head off, basically. So early on, Joker finds this out and he finds a scientist who actually made the the bomb. And he kind of does the research there to track down exactly where uh, Harley Quinn would be. Uh, and he also gets in coots with one of the guards at the prison to kind of track them down. And later in the film, there's this scene where... Margot, I mean, I'm sorry, Harley Quinn almost gets away with the Joker, you know, and, and it doesn't really pan out. But, yeah, he, he's in the film and there's a lot of good scenes, even though they were short, but there are a lot of good scenes that kind of establishes their relationship. You see why you see why Dr. Uh, what's her real name? Quinzel, who was a blonde headed chick. You see how she's more white faced and 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 white haired like the Joker is, you know, uh, there's a lot of cool scenes in there till we so see how she got to be who she is. All right. So let me ask you this. You know, you said there are a lot of scenes. Well, according to Jared Leto, there were a lot of scenes that got cut from the movie. Uh, yes, I heard that. That's what I hate to hear happen anytime when you've got a, especially you know, if you're saying he did such a great job and yes, the argument could be, oh, well, look at the extended cut with 30 more minutes of, you know. And, and, and I mean, that's probably what it will be. But that being said, I don't since he wasn't a main pivotal, he wasn't a pivotal point to the movie. It made sense for those scenes to be limited because, I mean, I would love to see those in an extended movie. But for the duration and the cadence of the movie they were giving us, I don't think it really fit in. Uh, but what we got was enough, in my opinion, because now I can't wait to see what is going to be in the next Batman film. Or I don't think we'll have a Suicide Squad, too, but whatever the next film we'll get, you know, I can't wait to see what he does. Because to me, this is a good, good, good introduction to the Joker. All right. Now, I think that I read somewhere that there may be a Suicide Squad, too, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I may have dreamed that. Cause yeah, I guess, well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not ruling it out. I'm just saying I don't know because this seems like is, you know, um, this seems like it could be a good movie to parlay these characters into more things. I think there's going to be a Harley Quinn movie. I think I heard that somewhere. So, and you know what? It's also a good vehicle to introduce, you know, not necessarily bring back the same group, but the simple nature of who the Suicide Squad are. Bring in a whole cast of different characters next time if you wanted to. Or, or bring, you know, in, let's say, keep two and bring in four more or, you know, change yeah. change it up a little bit. I think that would be awesome. So and, so any of the other characters that you want to mention that kind of stood out to you other than them? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll say uh, El Diablo, we mentioned him. He was cool. Killer Croc was, Killer Croc was pretty much ho-hum, you know, big, rough guy. You right. Know, uh, reptile or whatever. So, I mean, I won't, I won't really go into any, any of the other characters, but I do want to talk about how I feel this movie is important to the 
the uh, DC you know, movie verse. Okay. Just, all right. You know, all right. Before you do that, I, I do have one quick question. What about re- real brief Katana? What did you think of her? Uh, she was kind of brought on as the um, the actual good guy out of the group. You know, she was kind of the I'm not going to say voice of reason because she did. She rarely spoke, but she was kind of the uh, moral compass for the group in a lot of ways. And she was at Rick Flag's beck and call to off any other any of them that got out of line. Gotcha. You know, so was she crazy or was she? She wasn't crazy, okay, not at all. Good, I because I thought she was awesome. All right, because in the comic recently, they portrayed her as the the sword doesn't actually have people in it; it's actually all in her head. If oh, I, but that's uh, but but before she was a member of a team called the Outsiders, who was actually created by Batman. Really? He, yeah, he created his own super team back in the. 80s and it was called Batman and the Outsiders and she was a member of it. Well, so supposedly she has this sword as his soul taker that right. that that, um, that her husband was killed with and that she uses to off people and it captures their souls. Correct. And she talks to the sword. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> All right. So you were about to say how this ties into the overall arch DC cinematic. So go for it. Yeah, man, this this movie definitely is definitely another step that's starting that that establishes the DC universe as a whole. You know, like we saw with Marvel, they did it over a span of many, many more films. But well, we have three films now and I think it's really starting to come together, man. I, I, I mean, even echoes of Man of Steel are still are are also <laughs> in this movie. The need to even form a Suicide Squad is really predicated on that same thing that made Batman want to take out Superman. Is that the threat of an outside force that we can't control kind of coming in and and um, and and taking us all out? That was a re- that was a really good kind of thing that allowed them to e- even form this group, as well as uh, man, <laughs> Ben Affleck is in this movie. Early on, we see him. Uh, him and Deadshot go at it and how Deadshot gets caught is that his daughter like stands in the way of him of Deadshot actually shooting Batman so we get uh, we get Ben Affleck there we also get him in a scene where um, the Joker and Harley Quinn is trying to get away and Batman is chasing them in the Batmobile and they kind of go over this cliff uh, into some water and Batman is the only is the one that actually goes in there and pulls Harley Quinn out. So that's how she gets caught. They're tying it in really, really well. I thought those were good nuggets that really happened in the first 20 minutes of the film. But I was like, wow, that's cool. And one really surprising thing I did not expect to see was the Flash is who catches Boomerang and puts him in prison. Really? Okay. Yes. Yes. That was a good, good, good cameo. Uh, the Boomerang is uh, actually on a heist to act to uh try to steal some diamonds and and he thinks he's gonna get away but guess who shows up full suited clear image of flash standing in front of him knowing that the television version is the traditional costume that for the most part that everyone's familiar with this looks more like an armor correct yeah it's a little more a little more iron manish manish if that if that if you can but more fitting 
You know, okay. it's, it's kind of more shiny and more metally looking. I don't know. Uh, but I like the suit, though. It looked like it fit in with the rest of the universe. And I I really liked it. And it was it was just really cool seeing seeing him in the film. And I guess I could talk about the last scene. Yeah. Or, or yeah. The after credits or mid credit scene. You should so, really stay. So, so I've noticed that uh, DC has this habit of instead of doing we're going to do one at the very end their thing now is let's do a mid-credit which is fine because yeah. i really don't want to stay to the exactly end. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so so tell me about the mid-credit scene so in the mid-end credit scene we see uh ben affleck talking to amanda waller and uh they make some kind of agreement and deal i'm not sure what but Eventually, she hands him a folder that contains information about the Flash and information about Aquaman. So we, I guess we ought to presume that's how he tracks them down to recruit them to be in the group. And uh, as he leaves, she says, you look really tired. And then she makes some statement to the equivalent of uh, you should stop staying out nights. So that's why I say this reverse of what you said before earlier uh, about the uh, about when he was Batman. And she uh, said, hey, mention of Bruce. And this one, he was Bruce and she made mention of Batman. So I thought that was really cool. Got you. Now, let me ask you this out of curiosity. When when she did that, was she wearing a blue suit? Oh, I cannot remember. <laughs> I cannot remember. Because <laughs> uh, in the because in the cartoon, she and I'm the only reason I remember that is I'm looking at a picture of her from from the cartoon, and she was always I think drawn with wearing a blue suit or a blue pantsuit or dress or you know or you know, but it was always a blue jacket I think. So, um, all right. So I want to ask you a question. Sure. If you had to compare which was greater, Dawn of Boredom. Suicide Squad. Which one was better? You know what? I will say that, again, I mentioned this in the last podcast. I think that the Donna Justice will eventually wind up, end up being a cult classic type of movie. But we are, are 75% of America goes to movies to have fun. Okay. You know? Again, before I mentioned, that's why I like the trailer from the Comic Con teaser we saw of uh, Justice League. They had the Flash, and it was a little more fast paced and there's a little more jokes in it. So that being said, Suicide Squad, it was fun, man. Plot issues aside, it was a really, really fun movie. And to me, that is why you should watch this movie. Because we go to the movies to have fun. And and to me, Donna Justice was just a different take that was just a bit too dark. Yeah, and you know what? I have I just caught something about how you said that. You stumbled for just a moment. I have said Dawn of Boredom so many times. <laughs> you almost said... You brainwashed uh, me. Yep. You almost said Dawn of Boredom because you hesitated right before you said justice. <laughs> so, you know, I think you're actually one of those people like we see on the news pundits that uh, that have a comment simply because they are supposed to have that comment. You're just supposed to like Dawn of Justice. <laughs> And that's why you just always say good things because you're going to be the counter to mine and Lee's not liking it. So uh, that's that's what it is. I've seen it twice. Okay, so. <laughs> I've seen it once. That was enough. Uh, I will, but I will say this: I will probably, most likely, watch it again once Wonder Woman comes out, or right before Wonder Woman comes out, so that I can get Wonder Woman in my head again before going to see. So you know, maybe t- next year. But I will watch it again. 
Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, it's just cool to see how these DC pieces are falling into place. Though rough at times, they are falling into place like they did in, in, in the Marvel Universe. And I think that's a good thing. You know, my my thing with the DC cinema, cinematic universe, growing up or reading comics back in the day, I used to read X-Men last. And not because, you know, I didn't care about reading it. I used to read X-Men last because that was the one that was my favorite. That was the one that I anticipated the most. So I wanted to like get all the others out of the way before I read it. Now with Marvel, unfortunately in the comics, you know, they're the ones that I often read first X-Men included because the stories to me just don't have the depth that they used to. That said, DC and the comics are the ones that even, especially now with Rebirth, and they're restoring all this stuff that I love, you know, they're, they're the ones that I want to be so great. Now, translated into the <laughs> uh, movie universe, Marvel seems to have done everything right. And, de- and, and, and it's like I'm, as the fanboy, sitting here going, please, 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 please give us greatness we want greatness we want to be entertained but give us greatness and so maybe you know maybe greatness is to come because you've actually got me to the point to where oh i think i kind of want to go see suicide squad now yeah i mean it's just a fun movie i mean again like we talked about you you lee and i's differences you know this is just a popcorn movie you know is if you if you know these characters you might get a little more depth out of it if you're like me and know very little of course you know who joker is but the rest of the characters i really knew little to nothing about you know but it was just a, a fun movie you know not the greatest plot but you like the characters i mean uh, will smith and margot robbie were, were awesome in it so hey I said check it out. All right. So before before we start our wrap-up, I've got one more Harley Quinn question. Sure. Uh, I heard a rumor or read a rumor, not heard a rumor. I read a rumor that at some point she is trying on clothes or she's looking at clothes and she actually looks at the traditional or attempts to put on the traditional Harley Quinn outfit. Does she do that or did that get cut? Oh, man. You know what? I probably missed that. I probably missed it. See, that's that's one of the things you would know <laughs> if you saw it, but I probably missed got it. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Well, that's another incentive for me to watch it. <laughs> it's good. I put it like this. You'll have more fun than you had at the dawn of boredom, like you call it. <laughs> good deal. All right. Well, it, it sounds like just from listening to you talk about it, I mean, it sounded like a much more interesting movie, but... Uh, and it's doing quite well, regardless of what critics say. You know, it's you know that opening weekend was you know like one of the best August opening weekends either for a movie or for a comic, one or the other. So it's doing very well, and and it's not losing any steam. Looks like so. You know, I'm happy for that because yeah, DC needs it, man. Yeah, DC needs it, and there needs to be an incentive to keep making comic book movies. So. You know, I can sit here and be a critic all day long, but at the end of the day, once any of them, whether whether it's Wonder Woman, whether it's Captain Marvel, whether it's whoever it is, when they start making mo- when they stop making money, 
they will stop making movies. I mean, that's just business. Yeah. You and know? like, just, just a quick added thing. Like, even with Man of Steel, people, as far as critics, I don't think it came out as the best movie, uh, reviewed movie. But man, it did gangbusters at the box office. So, I mean, it was a big, big draw. Dawn of Justice was the kind of the pariah of the group so far with, you know, if you had two films that aren't just the greatest, but then you have one that's horrible that is supposed to be a bar- part of the same universe, it kind of brings everything down. So right. I'm just I'm just hoping we get a, a great Wonder Woman film and it'll be that catalyst that will bring the whole franchise up. Yeah, I think that will be DC's moment of truth, you know, with the goddess of truth. Or yeah. <laughs> so um, so before we wrap up or as we're wrapping up, uh, you, I saw the other day, have relaunched uh, another project that you had been on prior to discussing who. So tell everybody about that and what it is and how they can find out more about what it is. So, Take yes, uh, the show is called the Tech Pedition Podcast. That's Tech Pedition, like Tech and Expedition put together. I know it's weird, uh, but but yeah, that's TechPedition.com. It's the Tech Pedition Podcast. It's a podcast we started like in 2007, and we've done like 129 episodes so far. But, you know, as the group of guys who did the podcast kind of all got older, got married, had kids. We kind of all went our separate ways. And, and at that point, we just have a show every so often. But now we're trying to get back into it. We're going to, we're called in season two, which technically is <laughs> it's 129 episodes in. So it's not season two, but we're called in season two. It's sort of a J.J. A, a Abrams-esque reboot, one might call it. There you go. And, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to try to do just a show a month. And it's a focus uh, primarily on tech and video games and movies. So uh, if, if you like, if you're in the video game world and you like that type of stuff, we, we talk about that a lot. And uh, just one more plug I want to give. Uh, again, I want you to check out um, <laughs> the Reality Breach podcast. The latest episode, they talk about uh, Batman, the killing joke. And I think this that conversation is similar to the conversation uh, me and Kyle have of uh, one guy who's endured to the comic read those series of comics when it came out and the other guy who's new to that to Batman, well, not new to Batman, but new to that story, and talking about how he didn't really think it was a big deal. So that's an interesting show to check out as well. All right, cool. And so, one, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, well, I was going to throw it back to you, but you've had a question for me. No, no, no. I was just going to say one thing that we can do is we can put, uh, you know, we've got some banners on our front page of the Discussing Who website. You know, Clarence, if you'll remind me, because like I said, I am on caffeine right now. Uh, <laughs> remind me, and we will put up some uh, banners uh, down there at the bottom for the, both of those podcasts. All you have to do is go to our website when you're checking us out. You know, they'll rotate, and uh, you can click on those and go directly to both of those. So remind me to do that, and we'll get that done. Speaking mm-hmm. of our website, it is www.discussingwho.com. As always, we want your feedback. You can send us your feedback online. You can send it to us on Facebook, which is facebook.com backslash discussing who. 
And you can also, if you want to, record it on your smartphone. Send us an audio note via email to discussingwho at gmail.com. And Clarence, is our number ready yet? The number is 805-850-D-WHO. D-WHO. D-W-H-O. Cool. I like that. And speaking of feedback, I remembered or noticed that I did not do this uh, a couple of episodes ago, and I want to mention it now because I was waiting until he sent some more, so that's a hint for him to send some more. But uh, we want to thank Matthew again. That second audio feedback that we played, I believe, at the end of the uh, episode talking about the Cultum Collective, seventh anniversary, which was... Uh, episode 11, uh, Matthew had sent in some more feedback, which was some very good feedback, and I personally failed to say his name of who sent it in. So, Matthew, I'm giving you credit today for your feedback, and please, please feel free to send us some more. Speaking of 7th anniversary, I am working on another anniversary episode, which uh, is the 11th anniversary episode of Doctor Who Podshock, and wow. uh, yep, already eleven years. I am, you know, glad to be a part of that, as you guys all know. And I'm working on that, so I should have that out soon. But like I said, I've been busy lately, which I know we all have been. But uh, <laughs> all right, Clarence, do you have anything else in closing? Nope, that's all I got. All right, well, this was an enjoyable conversation, and Lee, you know, we hope you survive Miss Waller's uh, mission, and we look forward to having you back on the next one. She can so, be a very, very mean woman. Yep, she can, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, with that uh, with that being said, I think the customary thing to say at this point is we are out of here. You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.